This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com, as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, we interrupt this football season here on Sports Talk with some basketball on this big Thursday night. Good to be with you from the HTC Center at Coastal Carolina University in Conway. We're here at the Myrtle Beach Invitational, the first day of this event. We're also at the Charleston Classic. Matt Smith is there in Charleston where South Carolina is playing right now. Well, Colorado State is playing right now, and the Gamecocks are on the court with them. Colorado State is up 40-19 to on the Gamecocks at halftime. An atrocious first half for South Carolina. They missed their last eight field goals. They shot 25% in the first half, 7 of 28. They were 2 of 9 from 3, 3 of 4 from the line. They committed 10 turnovers, and they had 11 fouls called on them. So an atrocious first half for the Gamecocks over there in Charleston. We'll get more from Smitty momentarily when he is joining us from the, what is that, the TD Arena there in downtown Charleston. I am coming to you from the Chris Bergen Memorial Seat on Press Row. (laughs) It's still sweaty from Bergie's last call of that uh, thrilling Coastal Carolina win over Methodist about a week ago. Understandable. So... I tell you what's neat for me. You know, you, because you're a play-by-play announcer and you're in a league where I'm sure almost everywhere you go, you're sitting courtside calling the games. Thank goodness. Not always, but for the most part, yes. Yeah, yeah. We never get to sit courtside. You know, USC, you're way up. Clemson, you're even farther up in the sky. It's insane. Uh, it's, It's a thrill. It's a thrill to be courtside and have these great athletes right in front of you. And I'm watching um, Murray State leading Texas A&M 73-66 with 3.34 to go in this ballgame. Murray State has led pretty much throughout. They've had double-digit leads. A&M has made a run at them from time to time. And this Murray State team, I tell you, you know, they're a good program. You know, you slap them with the mid-major level, but they can play with most anybody. They're not particularly big, but they're athletic and they're, they're lean, and we know their history. It's the home of John Morant. They're in the home of John Morant, South Carolina, but then he went to Murray State. And Steve Newton. I wasn't going to bring that up, but since you, <laughs> since you forced that on our listeners, yes. Yes, the, the home of Steve, the Gamecocks pilfered Steve Newton from Murray State many memorable uh, years ago. Speaking of former, oh, by the way, earlier today, the first game here in Myrtle Beach. It was a really good game, too. It was a thriller. It was UMass coached by the uh, one and the only Frank Martin, and they held on to beat Colorado, a game that went down to the last shot. Colorado had a chance to tie it with a three. Uh, UMass had a, had a lead in this thing, and Colorado came back. 66-63, the Minutemen had a chance to talk to Frank Martin after the game. Reggie Anderson, the very unattractive 
anchor at Channel 19. He was here, and I was here. And so after Frank finished up talking to Reggie in, in a press conference, we were like the only media there. I got a chance to get him on the side. So we'll have that for you coming up in just a few minutes here on this big Thursday night. Now, despite the intrusion of basketball, we will, of course, talk a lot of football. Will and the thrill and the pastor of pain, Corey Miller, will join us. Also, we'll get to those comments from Marcus Satterfield of USC and some comments from Clemson's offensive coordinator, Brandon Streeter. He hasn't exactly been treated by uh, with, with kid gloves by Clemson fans, Chris, because, you know, they're not exactly happy with the way the offense is going. Then they started floating the rumor out there about Jeff Scott. Oh, Jeff Scott's going to be at Clemson this weekend. Oh, Jeff Scott's bought his house back out on Lake Hartwell. Oh, Jeff Scott's going to be on the staff. No, none of that's happening. None of that's true. It's not going to happen. Jeff Scott is not coming back to Clemson. you got a better chance of bringing Rob Spence back to Clemson than you do to bring <laughs> Jeff Scott back to Clemson. But – uh, he, he's caught a little bit of flack, too, for the Clemson offense not being the dynamic offense they're used to seeing. Well, and if you are a fan of Georgia or a fan of Ohio State or perhaps even Michigan, probably you have a right to criticize. But otherwise, I mean, what are you watching that you're disappointed in what Clemson has done to this point? They've had one loss, and they were horrible in that game. There's no question. But aside from that, they've been pretty good this season. And it's almost like you – and Clemson has put themselves in this position where one loss is one too many. And uh, fortunately, they've got a, a, a program that has built itself into that kind of powerhouse that one loss is one too many. But, uh, you know, sitting here and criticizing Brandon Streeter because the offense didn't look good against Notre Dame, are you going to criticize defense and Wes Goodwin too? Because oh, yeah. the yeah. defense was much, much worse than the offense was. Now, I get it. You know, you had a pick six and an interception that set up another touchdown and, and a block punt. So there were a couple of things in that Notre Dame game that didn't work uh, all, all told. But, I mean, much like this past weekend for the Gamecocks, I mean, as much criticism as Marcus Satterfield got, and deservedly so, uh, Clayton White's not immune to that either. Yeah, yeah. You know, we haven't brought this up. It just dawned on me the other day. Kevin Steele is coming back to Clemson as the defensive coordinator at Miami. And, you know, he and Dabo Sweeney, they don't really like each other. Kevin Steele was not a big fan of Dabo Sweeney when he was fired at Clemson. He, he didn't think Dabo Sweeney's uh, offensive game plan worked in the favor of their defense. He, he did not like the up-tempo that Clemson ran. Obviously, he was wrong because they figured it out offensively, defensively, and went on to win national championships. But you know, if he can, he'd love to come in and they're not going to pitch a shutout, but he'd love to come in with a defense that does some things against this Clemson offense and kind of keep them under control if he can, which he probably can't. No, I don't think they've got the personnel. Which he probably can't. No, I don't think they've got the personnel to be able to keep up with what Clemson's able to run out on the table. But that being said, I also wanted to uh, follow up on your comment about casually mentioning that South Carolina is getting blown out here in this uh, first half against Colorado State. Keep in mind, this is a this is by far the best team that the Gamecocks have seen thus far this season in men's basketball. I mean, this is a 25-win team from a year ago that made the NCAA tournament. So it's this not season. as if they they picked up somebody off the side of the road that this they're playing today. They're they're getting beaten by a, a much better team. Yeah, yeah. This is a good team, and you know their coach used to be the coach at Furman, 
and he's on the lips of everybody seeking to hire a coach who's a, a, a level or two up from Colorado State. I mean, they're again, they're kind of in between, would you say, that major, major and that mid-major level. Right. They're sort of like right in between that. They're, they're pretty good. They can play with most anybody, and they certainly are handling the Gamecocks right now. It's 48-30, to 30, about three minutes in to the second half there. Here, we've got two more games tonight. i got to tell you, if you love college basketball, these little tournaments are great, right? I mean, there's a pretty good number of Murray State fans here, a fair number of Texas A&M fans here. And, I mean, they're supporting their teams like this is the NCAA tournament. But for Murray State to beat an SEC team, and they're up 79-70 with 76 seconds to go, they've got a pretty good shot to knock off an SEC team. That's a big feather in their cap. And coming up, we've got Charlotte and Boise State. That'll be at 7 o'clock. And then the last game of the night, the uh, Ramblers of Loyola of Chicago, a Final Four team not too many years ago, taking on Tulsa. But my point is, man, you can get a ticket and come into this thing and watch good college basketball all afternoon and all night long. They'll have four more games tomorrow. They'll take off on Saturday because of football and then uh, back on Sunday to, to wrap it up. Each team gets three games. You know, from a, a team standpoint, Chris, a coaching standpoint, you can't beat this. This is three games in four days, and you're in a great location, whether it's here or Charleston. You get to work your team a lot and kind of enjoy the surroundings, and, and you bond on a trip like this, too, with a basketball team. It's the only reason that the coaches would agree to play in tournaments like this, Phil, because you, you get an opportunity, you're guaranteed three games. If it were a situation like, say, the NCAA tournament, you lose and you're done. No, th these tournaments would not exist. But you set up the loser's bracket side of the coin, and you can play for fifth place, you can play for third place, you can play for first place, obviously. And uh, I think that's the only way these tournaments survive. And from what I saw earlier today watching the uh, Furman Penn State basketball game, which was outstanding, and Smitty can chime in on this in just a couple of moments down in Charleston. I mean, these tournaments are, are vital to sort of finding out where you are long before you get into conference play. All right, Smitty is with us from over in Charleston. That's a beautiful arena in downtown Charleston, replaced the old John Cress Arena. They kind of took the John Cress Arena and they built on top of it or expanded it right in downtown Charleston. I mean, one thing you got to love is you come out of that arena and you're right in downtown Charleston on, on King Street and you got all kind of nice places to go and visit, not too far from the front door. Let's go to Smitty, who's been on hand to watch the Gamecocks in Colorado State. And as I look up, Smitty, we got a little bit of a rally going on here by the Gamecocks, trying to make a little bit of a game out of this thing. All right, we are. Phil, I will try to get this corrected, yeah. but I believe we're, we're having a, I'm able to see that he's up and connected, but I, I don't believe he is able to, to hear us. So I'll try to get this corrected real fast and be right back with you. Okay, okay, very good. If not, just we'll dial him up on his phone and talk to him that way if we can't get this working. 48-34, the media timeout. Gamecocks on a 9-0 run over the last 70 seconds and a 12-2 run if you expand it even more. So they're fighting back a little bit. Gigi uh, G. Jackson is leading the Gamecocks with 11. I think I hear Smitty now in the background. Smitty, do you have us, sir? 
I can hear you guys, and it's actually a little bit raucous in here for a change. Uh, the first half was sleepy, as you might have guessed, because uh, the partisan Gamecock crowd was watching uh, Lamont Paris's crew commit more turnovers and commit more fouls than they had field goals. But here, as you mentioned, to start the second half, the Gamecocks starting with a rally. They've cut to uh, 14 now, what was a 21-point lead. Well, it'd be good for them to see if they can make a game out of it, perhaps even uh, come from behind and, and pull it out. What do you see, what are you seeing differently from them in the second half? What are you noticing about what they're doing? Frankly, Corn, it's, it's about energy right now in, to start the second half. Uh, they were really sloppy to open the ball game. And, and I'll have to give Colorado State, both as a club and as a coaching staff, a lot of credit. They had a really good game plan coming out. It looked like they knew what South Carolina wanted to do offensively, especially with Gigi Jackson. They have a six foot four inch guard defending Gigi Jackson. So every time Jackson touched it, then Colorado State would collapse and double team. And Jackson being a young player, didn't really know what to do. South Carolina couldn't solve it. So they couldn't run their offense through Jackson and they didn't have any matchup advantages elsewhere. But here to start the second half, you have to give Paris a lot of credit. He must have lit them up, obviously, in the locker room at halftime because it's about energy right now. South Carolina is clearly the more athletic team, and they've gotten some open looks based on some dribble drive penetration and kickouts early in the second half, really because Colorado State can't stay with South Carolina's athletes off the dribble, but you didn't see that energy in the first 20 minutes. Well, just looking at the box score, Smitty, it looks like they only have to worry about two Rams players. Uh, John Moores has 15 points. Make that um, James Moores. James Moores has 15 points. John Tanji has 12 points. They've got 27 of the team's points. Seems like you can focus on those two guys. You might take the Rams a little bit out of their offense. Yeah, but what you have to give the, the Rams credit for is the way they share and move the basketball. But what ends up happening, Corn, is a lot of the plays they've gotten have been because South Carolina has uh, been out of position in the post, and they can't really get a clean rotation because Josh Gray came in, committed two fouls in a minute, and Hayden Brown, one of their better players in terms of post defender, he committed three first-half fouls. So those two were switching in and out of the lineup, and because of that, Colorado State was taking advantage. South Carolina, usually you hear about a flow offensively. South Carolina was out of sorts and out of its rhythm defensively because they couldn't keep the same five on the floor because of foul trouble. All right, Smitty, we'll get back to you in just a couple of minutes. Uh, we've got uh, all this going on, basketball here, basketball in Charleston. USC women, they play at Clemson tonight. What do you think Playing the now. Gamecocks will be? Uh, I thought it was 7 o'clock. No, they're up 20 to 11 in South Carolina. And, and Clemson fans, where are you? I get it, it's women's basketball. But, I mean, Phil, if we walked up there right now, we could get seats in midcourt. Yeah. I mean, it's the number one team in the country. Why aren't you there cheering on your team? But, yeah, Carolina's up 20-11 to 11 as the first quarter comes to a close. Well, because Clemson fans have women's basketball, you know, for them in the right perspective, as is, you know, don't care. <laughs> I mean, are How they playing the football? the right perspective? For them. You've got the number one team in the country regardless of what sport it is. How do you not show up to at least cheer on your team? 
because they don't care that it's the Gamecocks. You think they're going to come out just to watch the Gamecocks? I mean, they, well, I mean that, all, that's another they, reason. They Why wouldn't you come out to watch the Gamecocks? It's your big rival. Basketball at Clemson. They don't care. All right, they did it one time when Jim Davis had them as a nationally ranked team, but they don't care anymore. Uh, they've been so down, and then so they don't care. Number one, and the game tipped off at six. Then I thought it was tipping off at yes. seven. No, it tipped off at 6 o'clock. Okay, that, that caught me a little by surprise. And then it's a 6 o'clock tip, okay. But, I mean, you think they want to go watch this this axe murder that's going to be taking place at Little John Coliseum? I mean, it's They show be up a, when Duke and North Carolina come into town for men's well, basketball. Well, it's, that's men's. I, I mean, I'm just, you got to understand where you are at that particular school. They don't hold women's basketball like in the same – light that they hold it in Columbia or in some other places, the, the, the places where women's basketball is cherished. It's, it's an annoyance up there. It's, it's, I mean, I hate to be crude and rude about it, but it's just not something they, they care about. Maybe if they were really good again, they might care more. But how empty is it? Oh, like I said, we could, we, you and I could walk into Little John right now and walk down to the front row mm-hmm. and get two seats right behind the scores table. To it's Phil, that empty. To Phil's point, and I, I hate that I'm agreeing with it, though, is um, I think the fans, a lot of them, are just not going to come out on a, on a week night to see a team that is was projected or picked to finish 12th in the conference and that went 10-21 and 21 last season and that lost to this, uh, to this South Carolina squad by 31 last season. I, I wish I could be up there to help, to help support just to have people in the, in the crowd. It is kind of a shame that nobody's out there for it, but um, but it just not does not look like they have much support. I saw the head coach the other night during the men's game come out and um, almost was pleading with fans just just to come out and help help support the team in this mm-hmm. ball game. Yeah, uh, I mean, again, unless you're unless you're really good in a sport like that, you know, people just don't care. One more thing, and we'll go to the break. Um, Shane Beamer's doing his call-in show now, and this. This is on the game. This is interesting. Chris and I talked about this earlier. So USC, the their radio network. Now that it's this isn't our concern. We don't care. We could care less. It's interesting that they put the game, the Shane Beamer nightly call-in show, their Thursday night call-in show on their radio network, but not their basketball games. You know, not it's the, embarrassing. I mean, I don't. That's the decision they made that the that the Beamer show was more important than the basketball game, the men's basketball game. If I'm the men's basketball coach, I am pissed. I am pissed to absolutely, but this isn't the first time this has happened. I mean, this is this has happened before. This is not the first. We've noted this in the past, and that just, uh, you know. Anyway, it's not our not our fight. We could care less. But he did say, and this is no surprise. uh, Lloyd and Beal Smith are out for Saturday, and uh, that's that, that that bruise that Lloyd has must be like significantly deep. This will be his fourth game. If you count Missouri because he got hurt in the Missouri game, mm-hmm. he missed almost all of that. This will be his fourth game that he will have missed. That must be one hell of a bruise. I'm just saying a, a, a thigh contusion. Um, and let's see, and, and Bill Smith is dealing with a foot, a lower body, body injury, out of boot on um, the foot injury. So uh, that seems to be that on, on that subject. Okay, let's go to the break. Uh, and we'll come back and update things. Uh, fo- the uh, score over in Charleston, uh, Colorado State has uh, spurted 
a little bit more. They're back up 52-34. And here, Murray State's about to close out A&M 87-79, 20.9 seconds to play. We are at the uh, HTC Center, home of Chris Bergen, about 15 nights a winner. And uh, proud to be here. And we'll be back in a moment. In Columbia, South Carolina, the game days are our specialty. Whether you're watching the game from inside the stadium or from the big screen at your favorite local spot, the energy remains the same. Craft the perfect fall Saturday in a city where there is plenty of action on and off the field. From tubing and kayaking to Soda City to rooftop restaurants and plenty barbecue. We're ready when you are. Plan your weekend at experiencecolumbiasc.com. We're with Major Billy Downer of DNR Major. It's always a good time for folks to remember to get those licenses renewed. Doesn't matter what time of year, it's always a season in, whether it's fishing or hunting. Make sure to check your licenses, make sure they're up to date. If you need a hunting or fishing license, you may go to www.dnr.sc.gov to purchase your license online or to any local licensed vendor in your local area. And don't forget to join us for SC Wild from DNR with Major Billy Downer on Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Hi, I'm State Treasurer Curtis Loftus, and I've got a great gift idea that requires zero shopping, the gift of college savings. Future Scholar, South Carolina's 529 College Savings Plan makes it easy. Grandparents, friends, and family can all contribute to a Future Scholar account and know that they're providing a gift that will last a lifetime. If you're looking for the perfect gift this holiday season, look no further. Learn more about the smart, easy way to save and give this holiday season at futurescholar.com. final here Murray State beats Texas A&M 88-79 I mean Chris you get to see the Murray States of the world you know practically every time you call a game that's a that's a significant win for us for Murray State to beat a, a Texas A&M team which I don't know where they're gonna I don't think I don't remember where they were picked in the preseason SEC I don't think they were picked very highly but that's still a nice a significant win for that team, that league, over a team from a, a league like the SEC. And, Phil, this is a, a Texas A&M team that was ranked inside the top 25 in the preseason, thing number 24, and watching some of the uh, televised broadcasts of the game a bit earlier, they ran some of uh, Buzz Williams' comments afterwards after after they did not get into the NCAA tournament talking about how they, how they got screwed and we should have been in there and the whole nine yards. Hey, win more games. I've got no sympathy for anybody in the Power Five that does make an NCAA tournament because you have it laid out for you. They could have won the SEC tournament. They could have won more games, and it wouldn't have been an issue. But that's a huge, huge win, no doubt, uh, for uh, for Murray State. And it's a great way for them to springboard going up up into the uh, conference season when it begins here in about a month. And, again, as I pointed out last night or the night before last, don't be surprised if you start seeing a lot of these so-called mid-majors beat high-major teams. Because I think in, in terms of what the transfer portal has done, it's probably impacted college basketball more so than any other sport. And it has leveled the playing field. 
you get guys from the mid-major who realize, you know, I might have a better opportunity moving on, like, say, an Abrima Dima from Coastal over to South Carolina. But you also have uh, certain uh, circumstances where it goes the other way, too. And so you get a team like Murray State, and I don't think it's as big a surprise that they beat Texas A&M today as, as a lot of folks might realize. Uh, you know, one of the players, I didn't realize, I thought I recognized him. He's a lot skinnier than the last time I remember seeing him. But D.J. Burns is at Murray State. Did you, you know go. that? From Winthrop. From Winthrop, from Rock Hill. And he had a, uh, a night of eight points and six rebounds in 33 minutes. He's a starter for them. But they had four starters in double figures in this ball game with their leading scorer scoring 23, Jacoby Wood. He scored 23, then they had one with 18, one with 17, and one with 12. So that's terrific uh, balance scoring for Murray State. So they win it over A&M 88-79 and uh, still have two more games to come here tonight at the HTC Center. Next up is going to be Boise State and uh, Charlotte. Meantime, in Charleston, uh, Gamecocks are down 20. We'll catch back up with Smitty, 56-36. We're going to hear from Frank Martin. Frank Martin in our next half hour. We'll be back. Don't go away. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network from the HTC Center, home of Chris Bergen. His um, spit is all over this press row. <laughs> so where are you sit- situated? Are you at midcourt just a, a little bit towards the uh, – No, sir. I, towards I am the basket? To the le- I'm actually sitting to the left of the Murray State broadcast crew. Two fine uh, gentlemen just called okay. to win. I'm down at the very end of press row. I would be, as you would sit, do you sit on press row or do you sit on the scorer's table side? I sit on press row across okay. from the benches. About, be a- uh, about two paces in towards the uh, baskets to, if, if you're watching it on television, to your left uh, is about where they s- situate us. Yeah, I'm, that's, I'm in your area, I believe. I'm in that nice. same spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing about this place, though, and I guess because of the way it was built. I mean, the, the television angles are not good. It's from way above. This right. is a small arena. But the shot is like an overhead shot. Reminds me of the Assembly Hall at Indiana shot. I guess that's because they can only put the cameras way up and you get that mm-hmm. overhead look. It's not, I'm not crazy about it. And by the way, I wanted to backtrack. The uh, DJ Burns who plays for Murray State is not the same DJ Burns that played at Winthrop. It's not. That D.J. Burns is one who transferred from a Southern University in Louisiana. There's more than one. Where did the D.J. There, Burns from Winthrop go? I think he may be done unless he's playing professionally. Oh, I don't wait know. a minute. Wait a minute. Did he not go to NC State now to think about it? Did he not? Is that where he is now? I'd have to look. I apologize. I well, thought he started his career at Tennessee, that D.J. Burns, and I think you're right. I think he's at NC State now. So yeah, he's, uh, he is. I, I he's majoring in interstate commerce. Yeah, I apologize for misidentifying <laughs> him. I did say this, this he looked thinner, you know, but I don't know what he looks like in the face. No. I just saw the body, um, and I saw D.J. Burns. I said, well, like, how many D.J. Burns can there be? 
I guess there's more than one. The question yeah, that one is, that we know from Rock Hill is about uh, is built more like a defensive lineman than a basketball player. Two hundred seventy-five well, pounds. I mean, he, he he is a space eater in the post. You remember the night at the Colonial Life Arena when Gamecock fans mistook him for Zion Williamson. He was at a game, and they started <laughs> chanting, we want Zion, but it was D.J. Burns, you know. <laughs> I can understand. He's about the same height and about the same build. Uh, yeah. D.J. is uh, he's averaging 17 minutes a game and six points and five boards, one assist so far this year for the, for the Wolfpack. Look at Pat. Pat, you are, you are all over. There you it. go. Um, now, the question is, who's going to get whooped worse tonight, the Clemson women or the South Carolina men? No, I can Clemson answer that in a hurry. Women. Even with the Gamecock men down by almost 30, yeah. the, the Clemson women are going to lose by worse. Well, no, they're only down uh, 34-16. 34-16. They're down 18, right? And they're in the second quarter. Uh, by the way, just to check on the scoring there, you've got um, for the Gamecocks, Cook's got 10, Boston's got five, uh, Beal's got five. They got balanced scoring. Watkins got four. Amir, uh, Amir, 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 can never get her name right. Amir, 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 Amir. You think by now I'd know how to say her name? Amir's got four. For Clemson, um, Bradford's got four to lead their scoring. Thirty-four, sixteen. Gamecocks are shooting sixty-one percent. This is the women, sixty-one percent to thirty-two percent for Clemson. They are four for four from three-point range. That's a change. But only two of seven from the line. Both teams have turned it over eight times. But, of course, in the paint is where this Gamecock team will kill you. They're only up Mm. 16 to 10 in the paint. So 34-16, and the men are down 66-38, almost 30, to uh, Colorado State. So that little sniff. Let's go back to Smitty, who is courtside there at the, the Charleston Classic, the Shriners Children's Charleston Classic. Uh, last time we talked to you, Smitty, the Gamecocks had a bit of a pulse. What happened? Yeah, the Gamecocks were, they did their best to uh, throw a few punches coming out of the locker room, went on a bit of a run, but then Colorado State took a timeout, made their adjustments, and they went back to exactly what they've been doing to South Carolina all day, which is hitting the back door. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's a pass and then screen away concept. Pretty simple for anybody that's ever played basketball, but South Carolina looks completely lost defensively, especially on the interior. But again, they've got a lot of foul trouble with the guys down low. Uh, four fouls on Bosman's Verdon, four fouls on Brown, three on GG Jackson. So South Carolina just hasn't been able to keep five out there. And just to give you an idea of how often Colorado State is running that play, you mentioned Corn, you know, hey, could you stop Moores? Well, Moores is the beneficiary. Uh, he's the post player that is is getting those feeds down low, and he's 8 of 10 from the floor for 17 points. As a matter of fact, Colorado State as a club is shooting 58%. They've only hit three three-pointers. So when we, I'll do the math and put it in the story, but Colorado State is just killing South Carolina down low, outscoring the Gamecocks 48 to 12 in the paint. That's amazing, 48, and they just knocked down a, they just scored again, so they've gone up 69 to 38 over the Gamecocks. So they're on a 15 to two run over the last five minutes and 15 seconds. So the Gamecocks are gonna lose this. Does that mean they'll play in one of the consolation games early tomorrow? You got the schedule in front of you? You know, it, it gets a bit convoluted, uh, but I, 
I could look at this. Let me report back to you because I don't even want to say and be wrong. I know that yeah. uh, the next game tonight is Davidson and College of Charleston. I'll get now. I don't know. Will Lamont Paris take his team and go home after this performance? I don't know if they're going to face. Won't the they? Won't they? Here in Charleston. Won't they again. play Furman? Furman lost to Penn no. State. No, they won't no. play Furman. Oh, no, they'll play the loser of the uh, Charleston they're Davidson the game tonight. Side. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And well, I think hey, that's, that's and I, I, just, I hesitate to say the time. I'll get yeah. back to you. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Enjoy. Enjoy yourself. Guys, I've Enjoy got it right here in front of me. Uh, right. The winner of Colorado State, South Carolina, plays the winner of Davidson, Kyle to Charleston, and that game will be at 5 Eastern on ESPN2. The loser of that game tonight plays the loser of Davidson, Kyle to Charleston. So I guess we'll go ahead and presume that'll be the Gamecocks, and that'll be at 7.30 tomorrow night. Correct. Oh, seventh. the loser goes at 7.30 tomorrow night. Correct. Okay, okay, gotcha. All right, 71.40. Gamecocks are getting spanked, and the women are, are winning 41 to 16. Here's a better question, Phil: Will the will the Gamecock women score more points in the first half than South uh, Carolina's uh, men will score the entire game? That's just mean, uh, Chris. Just, <laughs> That's well, true. Well, You're just well, a mean person, well, guys. There, there's still there's still a race here for South Carolina. Still something to accomplish. They have 15 field goals as a club. 15. Okay. They have 16 turnovers. So if they can really work hard here in the last four minutes, they can they can hit more field goals than turnovers before they leave today. Okay. Thank you, Smitty. Speaking of Gamecock basketball, I had a chance to talk to Frank Martin uh, this afternoon. Uh, Martin's uh, massive. I, I was really, when I started paying attention to what was coming up and saw where UMass was playing in the first game here, I said, you know, we got to go. Frank Martin's first trip back to the Palmetto State with UMass after his 10 years at South Carolina. So I said, you know, we got to be there for that. And we came on down for it. And after it was over, after his team had won over Colorado to improve to two and one, outside the interview room, I had a chance to catch up with the former Gamecocks head coach for a few minutes and talk to him about, uh, not about the game, but about what's going on with Frank Martin in his new environment. How do you feel the transition has gone from you since your departure from South Carolina to where you are today? Um, it, it's been great. I mean, uh, uh, you know, when you and I spoke, you know, a couple weeks or ten days after being fired, um, uh, I, I, I was still searching. I was searching to make sure that I can still do this, and and uh, the people at UMass, the, the, from the chancellor to the president to my bosses to the donors to the players, they've been incredible in, in thanking me for taking the job and, and, and supporting me. And, and, and then the players, it's the end. If I'm fighting the players, it's not fun. And they've been tremendous. They've been, they've been awesome to be around. Did you have to rebuild your own confidence as you started again at UMass? Um... I don't know if it's rebuild the conference because it's not like we, it's not like we went ten and twenty-seven, nine and twenty-five, nine and twenty-five. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Mm -hmm. We're winning. Now, did we win enough? No. Did we have a bad year during COVID? Yes. Uh, my confidence was not in my abilities to coach. My confidence was just in the moments, the COVID years, um, uh, my disappointment that the one time we had a bad year which to this day, whenever you need me, you're getting a phone call back from me because 
I found out I was getting fired from you, and I'll never forget that. And, and that, that's, that's the, the disappointment to me is that I tried really hard to do things the right way down there. I get it. Some people don't like me. Some people didn't think I did it well enough. I'm, I got no problem with that. I signed up for the job. My disappointment that year was that I found out from outside the school that I was going to be terminated. Um, and th- that's, that's, I had to find peace inside for me to, to, to be willing to do this again. Doubt, and I, I didn't want to doubt in the people I was working for. And that's where UMass has been great. The people I work for have been incredible from my first conversation. Um, and, uh, and then the players. And you, you bring players in to fight you, it's hard to succeed. And they've been great. Are you any different? Are you any different in personality? Are you any different in coaching style? Were you just at the game? Were you here? It's, I am who I am. I'm, I'm, I'm a good man. I go to bed every night. I'm a good man. My players fight for me they always have always will um they have my back i have theirs uh you know have i grown as a human being absolutely uh the the 10 years of south carolina i grew a lot i i i would like to think i'm no different than most people um i've 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 found patience and and maturity as i've gotten into my 50s compared to my 40s and uh, so I, I think I'm in a, I think I'm in inner peace right now, which allows me to be okay with who I am. I know you're 100% focused on your team, and yeah. the Gamecocks are 100% focused on their team. But do you do you keep a maybe a little bit of an eye on what they're doing? Do you have any conversation with any of your former players who are still there just to check in on them? They check in on you to see how, see see how everybody's doing. Yeah, I communicated with uh, Jacoby Wright. Uh, back in the, I don't know, October sometime. Uh, but then this practices start. And then once practice starts, it's we're all kind of in our own world. Uh, my, my family, uh, we're, we're, uh, we've got very good relationship with the family of a couple of the players there. Uh, so I got home the day of the South Carolina State game, and my wife and daughter wanted to watch a game, so we sat there and watched it like a family. We root for the school. School, you know, school, school is unbelievable to me. Uh, uh, the Gamecocks deserve to have a really good basketball team, and um, you know, school paid me a lot of money. They gave me 10 years, it's, which is unheard of in today's day and age. And uh, like I've told you before, Phil, I've I've got no bad blood whatsoever towards the school. Are there individuals that I don't care for? Yeah, and they don't care about me, and it's all good. That's mm-hmm. part of the journey in life. You, some people embrace you, some people push you, and and uh, but but as far as the school goes. I hope they win every game they play, and just like I root for Kansas State, those schools, those schools gave me a job. I didn't, I didn't hold anyone hostage to get a job. They gave me a job and believed in me, and uh, I'll be forever a fan of uh, the Gamecocks as Kansas State. Maybe a little bit ironic that Game Three of your time at UMass, you're back here in the Palmetto States. <laughs> Unbelievable, unreal. I, I never, I didn't pay attention to our schedule. You know, they offered me a job, they give me a folder, it's got schedule, rosters, all that stuff. Yeah. I never looked at the schedule, and uh, eventually we went to recruit. And then I said, I need to start paying attention to the schedule. We got to get games. And the first thing I saw was Myrtle Beach. I said, like, Holy cow, that, that'll be great. But it, but. It's it's all we've got friends that drove in uh, from from mostly from Columbia, but a couple other places, and uh, and it's uh, it was awesome to see them today. Last thing, 
the Gamecocks offensive line, they're, they're really struggling. I mean, seriously, what, what advice can you give them? I, that's the one thing I can tell you I have not watched. I'm a big fan of Shane Beamer's, and, and uh, he's, got a, he's got a special spirit about him. Uh, but uh, I, I, I kind of, even my Dolphins, I'm, I've, put, I've put all of them in the rearview mirror, and I, I haven't paid attention. But uh, you've heard me say this before, Phil. I'm going to remind you because all you guys kind of worry about the cute guys on the outside. The five fat guys on offense got to block the five fat guys on defense. And if they don't, the defense wins. If they do, the offense wins. Sums it up pretty well. Great seeing you. Thanks for the time. Thanks, Phil. Great to see you. Our exclusive interview with Frank Martin, though I think David Kloniger from the Post and Courier was down yesterday to do something. That guy's with an absolute well. treasure. Who, Frank or David? <laughs> Frank Martin. Oh, well, yeah. David, too, but uh, yeah. no. When you asked Frank about the offensive line, I knew he'd have a great answer regarding regarding that. Yeah, and I was I was taken aback a little bit by the fact he he learned actually that he was going to lose his job from you, and not from USC. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we were ahead on that story, uh, and and I had some information that I trusted from very good sources. And before I wrote the story, I thought it was my duty uh, to notify. Frank Martin that I was going to be writing this story mm-hmm. I just felt like I owed him that from the standpoint that I've covered him for 10 years uh, he's always been good to us from the standpoint of questions and answers I mean nothing more than very professional nothing, nothing more than that we're not buddies or you know in terms of you know we don't run around the same social circles I'm just talking about professionally so I, I felt like I owed him that piece of information that hey I'm going to write this story and I want to give you a heads up and so yeah um, but then it was still another year before they actually did it. I mean, they right. were going to do it, and then they got all caught up in political stuff, and then they ended up doing it the next year. But, yeah, I guess that was the case with that situation, not something that was pleasant. You don't, you know, you don't like having to get involved in that kind of stuff, but it happens from time to time, as we all know. Uh, well, all right, be a so- good thing, you know, be one thing if he were an absolute jerk and, you know, did horrible things and you'd love to see him lose his job. I don't know if anybody at South Carolina, outside of him not winning enough, that disliked Frank Martin as a person. Well, I think you had, you heard him say there were some people there that didn't like him personally. And I think a lot, I think most of that has to do, if not all, has to do with his side, his sideline demeanor. You know, people see him on the sideline and he is vulgar. And he does curse loudly, and he yells at the players, and he, he chops them down at the knees when they make a mistake, and a lot of people mm-hmm. can't deal with that. But his players who stay with him swear by him. That's the thing. Exactly. Those who stayed with him three, four years, they love him. They love him. They love the tough love. But there are people around who, who never could take to that, never liked it, never liked him. They thought that was him. People will tell you, Away from that, and I see it, of course, and you saw it, of course, and Pat saw it in the interview sessions. Away from that, he's a different person, you know. Yeah. But on the court, he's an animal. He just he pushes a button and he becomes an entirely different personality. That's his view of how you have to coach. It served him well for the most part. Eighty-three fifty-one, Colorado State. How many is that? That's thirty-two. Make that eighty-five fifty-one. That's a thirty-four point difference, and the USC women. 46-16 at the half, so they're up 30 at the half. You said how much would, would the USC women score more in a half in the game? 40, yes. 50, 
Now they're at 51. Yes. Now the guys so. are going to eclipse that, but I still think the uh, women will actually have a larger margin of victory yeah. than the men in terms of their margin of defeat will be. Okay. All right, let's go to the break before we hit the top of the hour and we get uh, caught up in things. Uh, we are at the HTC Center Myrtle Beach. Uh, Smitty's at the uh, Charleston Classic in Charleston. We should be able to bring you some comments from Coach Paris by the time um, towards the end of this show tonight, so we should have that for you, so stay tuned. Uh, and Pat is at the um, studios back in uh, Columbia, uh, and Bergie is at the Bergie Palace in Sardis, and we'll be back after this break. If an insurance company is there to sell you insurance, shouldn't it also be there to service it with real people? At Farm Bureau Insurance, we're here to help with experienced agents ready to provide personal service when you need it most. Call today for your free no-obligation review for auto, home, and life insurance that's custom-tailored just for you. Whether it's home, auto, or life insurance, Buddy Bridges and Farm Bureau Insurance have the right policy for you. Call Buddy today in Lawrence County at 864-923-2174. South Carolina Farm Bureau Mutual Insurance Company, Southern Farm Bureau Casualty Insurance Company, Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance Company, Jackson, Mississippi. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plated for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at seccattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. Thank you. Thank you for world-traveling rocket scientists. For tires bigger than your grandma's house. For 3D printing research. For artists in residency. Thank you for all the things that take us to the next level. Thank you for playing the lottery. For funding scholarships for funding grants, for funding innovation in this state. Thank you, the South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's, where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. We might as well go down to the hometown of uh, Hootie and the Blowfish. Go back to Smitty one final time before the top of the hour. It's all over, Smitty. It's all over. There was no major rally for the Gamecocks this time. Phil, we actually have lost Smitty. I'm not sure if he tried. He wanted to go ahead and get over to the post-game interviews or mm -hmm. we just lost our connection, but I'll try to get him back here momentarily. Okay. You know, I should have asked before I tried that. 85-53. Final score, Gamecocks uh, won for their last eight. No field goals for the last three minutes or so. They end up with a 31% shooting night, 19 of 61. 
8 of 26 from 3. And they turned it over 16 times. They, um, let's see, second chance points. Yeah, they won that 11 to 5. Outscored off the bench 27 to 15. Chris, Chris, in the paint. Yes, sir. In the paint, they got outscored 54 to 14. It's inexcusable for them because they've got to work inside out. And you even look at what Gigi Jackson was able to do for them. He led them in scoring with 20 points. He scored nearly half their points, and they still got dominated inside, and they got out-rebounded in this ballgame. Total flip of the script from how they beat Clemson and how they beat South Carolina State to open up the season. Yeah, Josh Gray, who had the nice game on the boards last time out, he only played five minutes. He had uh, now he had three Foul fouls. Trouble. He had three mm-hmm. fouls. Yeah, but he only played five minutes. Three fouls. Um, Minote only played three minutes. He had no foul. He had nothing. He, I mean, he must have just put him at the at garbage time. He had no stats in three minutes. Uh, you mentioned Gigi Jackson, eight of eighteen, and he had uh, seven rebounds, twenty points. You think he's realizing now, boy? <laughs> I'm going to have to carry the freight on this team. Well, again, don't read too much into this, Gamecock fans, because this is a very good Colorado State team. It's by far the best team they have seen thus far this year. Mm-hmm. Now, if they go out and lay an egg the next two nights, then you might start getting a little concerned. But uh, this is a, a really, really good Colorado State team that probably will be in the NCAA tournament again this year. Well, I mean, the team they're going to play next, either Charleston or Davidson, that's not going to be easy either Mm-mm. because, I mean, nope. Now, I know Davidson has a new coach because McKillop retired. You know, I mean, you know Pat Kelsey wants to win tonight, but do you think maybe he'd like to kind of lose tonight so he can get a shot at the Gamecocks? <laughs> it, it might be the biggest turnout for a game in a loser's bracket in the history of these type tournaments because you're right. I mean, that place would be packed tomorrow if it's Charleston and uh, Carolina going head-to-head. Yeah. All right. We're going to hit the break here at the top of the hour. And uh, if all goes well, we'll have the Pastor of Pain coming up and uh, Will and the Thrill coming up in our second hour and recruiting for you uh, and some comments from Marcus Satterfield. uh, And we should hear from uh, Lamont Paris. Try and get us some Brandon Streeter thoughts as well. Be back after the break. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, welcome back, everybody. It is Sports Talk on a big Thursday night. We are... Bringing together basketball and football. Cousins in the ball world, I guess you could say. A round ball and a uh, a ball that is, what, spherical? Is that football because it oblong. bounces funny? How would you describe it? Oblong. Oblong. Okay. <laughs> uh, Charlotte <laughs> and Boise State. I don't think I've ever seen Boise State in person in any sport. Um and Charlotte is playing. They uh, on their jerseys. The Charlotte team. They have the. Uh, I think that's the designation for their airport. CLT, right? Kind of like in Atlanta, yep. the ATL. Charlotte. I don't think that's really good branding, if you ask me, for a college to have the airports. The airports identification, you know, 
But anyway, that's what they go by, CLT. I was watching them. They were warming up in front of me. Man, they can shoot the three, this Charlotte team. If they shoot the three in the game like they shoot in warm-up, they're going to they're gonna make a bunch of threes. There goes one right now, and he missed it. So anyway, <laughs> it's uh, Charlotte and Boise. We're here at the Myrtle Beach Invitational, and Smitty will be rejoining us from Charleston a little bit at the Charleston Classic. We'll hear from Lamont Paris. The Gamecocks got handled by Colorado State this afternoon, 85-53. to 53. USC women at Clemson, and that one is 53-20, to 20, 5.56 to go in the third quarter. Cook has 15, Boston has 10. Clemson does not have a player in double figures. The Gamecocks are shooting 62%. Most of those inside, they have scored... Um, they have scored uh, 26 of their points in the paint. And I don't know are, how you beat them, Phil. You know, looking forward to uh, the matchup with Stanford on Sunday. If yeah. they shoot 86% from three-point range, they're six of seven tonight from three. Yeah. I don't know how you beat them. Yeah, they don't usually shoot it that well from three, but they've got it going tonight, uh, and they're winning on the boards, of course, by a total of 26 to 12. Okay, it is time to turn our attention back to football. We welcome... To Sports Talk, once again, the pastor of pain, the man who delivers not only the message, but the thump that goes with it. He is Corey Miller. Corey, good evening. Great to have you with us. How are you? Greetings, guys. Hope everybody's doing well. Look like y'all are crazy busy uh, from across the state of South Carolina. you got uh, the low country, the upstate, and now you're in the PD. Down Absolutely. on the ocean, but y'all, you're doing it, man. That's that's yeah. big stuff. And, and we got Pat at the Dave and Buster's studio. In fact, I'm going to go to Dave and Buster's here in Myrtle Beach when I finish up here tonight, catch the second half of that Packers and Titans game tonight, see if the Packers can kind of keep it going. One thing I learned from watching the pa- uh, Packers last week, Pastor, you got a quarterback yeah. like Aaron Rodgers, but it's not yeah. going well in the passing game. The receivers are young. Now, they grew up a little bit, but – their game plan was to run the football, run the football, and go with Aaron Jones and go with their running backs because that's what they thought they could do well and then play action off of that and work Rodgers and the passing game into that. I bring that up to suggest with any team, but with South Carolina's struggling situation on offense, that you have to make that commitment to the running game and stick with it and stick with it until you make it go. Now, can they right. do that? Do you think that's something they should try as they go into this game against Tennessee? Then again, they're not going to have Lloyd and they're not going to have Beal Smith, but maybe you turn J.J. McDowell loose and make him and put Christian Beal Smith in a position like Chuck Reedy said last night. I don't know if this went over people's heads last night or not, but he made a very astute comment. you gotta put, you got to put Bell in a position where he has an advantage, a, a – a, matchup advantage over people. You don't get that with him when he's back there at tailback. That's correct. And, you know, and I was screaming that all against Florida. I mean, I'm yelling and screaming at my TV. Listen, I, he's a tremendous athlete. And, yeah, if you want to run a little toss play here or there out of the backfield, fine. But he can't be a focal point at the running back position because the way you utilize those matchups is get him out in space. Yeah. Uh, utilize him out there, you know, off the ball. That I like to call it a U position, which is a tight end off the ball. You can put him in the slot. You can put him in the X. You can move him all around, create mismatches against safeties and linebackers. 
and get him the ball that way. I didn't like how they utilized him last week. It was just not going to work. But I like the fact that you mentioned those two running backs. You know, let them run the ball the way they need to run the ball. Juju's a good runner. They got some guys that can get it done. So, um, not a good game plan last week against Florida. They got to be able to establish the running game because if they get to be one-dimensional, it's not going to work. They don't have the uh, the offensive line pass protection that's good enough when they're in obvious passing situation. Therefore, Spencer Rattler going to get rattled and going to make mistakes. So, you're right, the running game – is, is imperative this week for sure against Tennessee. Now, Tennessee has a defense that's opportunistic, not great, so they should be able to have some type of some, some success against uh, this defense, and you need to because you want to keep this offense of Tennessee off the football field. So running game is going to be my biggest point for the Gamecocks this week. Do you think that they will be – they will be – got to be stubborn. I mean, do you think they'll be stubborn enough to stay with the running game even if they – have a quick three and out. come Because like they did against Florida, they tried to run the game on the opening series. They went three and out. They were already down 7 nothing. Then Florida scored again. They're down 14 nothing. Then they came out throwing the football. And that was a quick three and out. Uh, don't you just – sometimes you just have to stick with the running game. But you can't run it right up the middle. I mean, you got to – you know, like Chuck was saying last night, there's nothing wrong with running toss sweep and toss sweep and toss sweep if that's what you do well. Find what you do well and do it repeatedly. Yeah, misdirection, counters, you know, counter trays, things like that. You want to switch it up. I mean, they're not good enough to just knock people back off the ball to try to run it up, up the middle. That's not going to work. So, yeah, I'm with uh, Chuck on that because you, you got to mix it up and get stylish, if you will, in the running game. You know, so and I like counters. I like I like traps because now you, you get the defense a little bit on the heels. If they don't read it right, the linebackers don't scrape over the top. You know, those kick-out blocks, you get them up in that C-gap, and you're off and running. So it's going to be interesting to see if uh, Coach Satterfield will drop some plays in the running game that's a little different than what Tennessee is going to be accustomed to seeing on the film. Yeah. Of course, Tennessee, I was just looking at their notes here. They're, they are second in the SEC against the run, giving up 97 yards per game. Only Georgia – is better than them against the run. So, I mean, he, again, do you, do you coach based on stats or, or coach based on your gut instinct? Or, you know, what, what can the Gamecocks well, possibly do offensively based on what we saw last weekend? Well, I think that those stats are inflated a little bit based on because people have thrown the ball against Tennessee's defense. I mean, they've mm-hmm. given up plays in the, in the back end and the secondary. That's why you see that, that 97 yards because people have a lot of success throwing the football. So I True. think that's, True. you know, how sometimes stats can look better than what it really is. So, uh, you know, listen, I think South Carolina's got to figure out uh, some things to do. I think trick plays, you got to do some different types of things against a team like Tennessee. You have zero to lose in this ball game, So I would expect them to do all sorts of things, trying to get some momentum, trying to get something going early, keeping that crowd in the game. You know, uh, you know, you play spoiler, play spoiler. I mean, have fun with it. Be, be exciting. So I think that's the way you got to approach this game with an offensive mindset because nobody's expecting you to do well. So who cares? Go out there and just let it loose, try some different things, and see if you can find something that works. Yeah, excellent point. Yeah, Tennessee's giving up about 300 yards per game through the air. That's hard to believe that they're doing that, you know, and still ranked among the best teams in the country. But, yeah, they are giving up 295.8. 
They do have nine interceptions. They've allowed 12 touchdown passes. So now you're, you're Marcus Satterfield, and you, you look at that and you say, okay, we're just going to have to sit back and throw the ball against these guys. I mean, just come out slinging it. Well, you know, sometimes, Phil, you know, you throw the ball to open up the running game too. Yeah. I mean, so if you can have some early success passing the football, yeah, but I would, I would be throwing the ball really a short intermediate passing game, right? I wouldn't be trying to really just hit big plays all the time. And you miss those, and now you're in third and long. Now you're very obvious. And now that defensive front, they can get to the quarterback. Uh, they do have some good athletes up front, so you don't want to do that. I think you utilize, again, Bell in the slot. You utilize Stogner, middle of the football field, you know, you know, posting up, playing a little basketball against those linebackers, you know, swing routes. So you can use swing routes with the backs out of the backfield, which basically is a running play, right? You just you know, flare the back out, give it to them, let them get four or five yards. You know, so they can do some things in the passing game to, to really help the running game. So it's going to be interesting to see after what we saw last week wasn't really good at all. Will they bounce back and, and do some, some things differently? So, you know, I'm always <laughs> uh, sitting there watching with Satterfield because you just don't know what's going to happen with, with what they're going to do. Sure. Pastor of Payne, Corey Miller, with us here tonight on Sports Talk. Looking forward to the weekend of college football. And, Corey, as much criticism and deserved criticism that the offense got, Carolina's defense has not played all that well the last couple of weeks, especially against the run. What are you seeing out of them the past two weekends against both Vanderbilt, even though they won that ball game, and then, of course, this past weekend against Florida? And how in the world did they begin to stop what Tennessee will bring offensively to the table on Saturday? You know, I think they got to be really good on first down. And, and, and you know, I'm really shocked that the, the defense hasn't played really stout against the run. But when I look at it, it's little things, guys. It's like, you know, setting the edge, right? I mean, this, this is something that, that you're taught to do from camp from day one, especially the edge guys. You've got you to set the edge. You've got to build a fence, basically. You've got to allow a box. Those guys are run inside where all your help is. They're letting teams get on the outside, and that's the problem. You don't have no help out there. Um, so guys are out of position. You know, you got to be gap sound even. Even when they run inside, I see tackles and linebackers overrunning plays, getting sealed by blocks. That means they're not exercising gap integrity. So these are things that are not just physical things. It's not that they're getting dominated up front. They're out of position. So, you know, they got to play better uh, sound defense that way against the run. Uh, they got good enough players up front uh, to, to be able to be better. But I'm just really disappointed, I think, you know, the, the mental mistakes that they're making defensively as far as being out of position. Guys that, you know, you got a job to do. You're an edge guy. You know, we used to call it backer force or, you know, now edge force, if you will. You, that defensive end got to push that guy back. You got to change the line of scrimmage force the ball inside where all your help is. And just things like that are costing them big gashes in the run game. How do you simulate in practice what Tennessee does in terms of tempo? Do you run with two offenses and the one that's, you know, off the field, if you will, is right there for another snap as, as quickly as the first play ends? I mean, how would you begin to simulate as fast as they play? Because it's not something that USC sees on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you can. I mean, because... Man, they go fast. I mean, they are going fast, so they know what they're doing. You know, in practice, it's hard to do because, you know, you got to show, you know, your scout team cards, right? They got the offensive plays that Tennessee runs on cards. So, you know, guys got to 
run a play and run back, look at a card, and, you know, coach said, hey, you go over here, and, hey, you do this, and you do that. So it's really, really difficult to simulate what Tennessee does offensively. They just got to be ready to play. They got to get calls in. They know that the substitution may be a problem. You know, you got to make sure you got the right personnel on the field. But, listen, if, if I'm South Carolina – and I'm looking at this offense. I'm going to watch that Georgia game extremely close. Here's what I know what Georgia did. You know, they put their hands on these receivers, right? You know, in all of football and college right now, people don't reroute anymore. They don't jam guys at the line of scrimmage anymore. This really angers me. This is my rant for tonight. You know, defensive guys, you got to put your hands on these receivers, especially in today's game where you're spreading you out and they're creating all this space. They, they won't just run down the field untouched. I don't care who you are. If you allow receivers, a Jalen Hyatt, who runs a 4-3-40 just to run down the field, you're not fast enough to cover those guys. You know, you get to jam them. Go watch Georgia. They try to stack. That second defender sat behind them. They put a guy right on the line of scrimmage. They didn't play way off the ball. They jammed them. They made them dance at the line of scrimmage. And what that does, it bought time for the defensive front to get to the quarterback. That's what you have to do. If you're going to sit back and play off and don't, don't jam these guys, it's going to be, it's going to be. I'm telling you right now, the, the scoreboard is going to blow up. I mean, it's going to blow up. So they, they better get their hands on these guys, keep, keep the guys in front of them. And the other thing Georgia did extremely well, when they let the guys catch it in front, they tackled, right? They got them on the ground and made them go the whole field to try to score. That's how you have to play this defense. And in South Carolina, I'm telling you, if you let these guys run straight down the field, then the scoreboard is going to blow up because you're not going to stop them from scoring. Pastor of Payne, couple more minutes. Let's shift gears to Clemson. Got back on track with that win over Louisville, or did they? Did they get back on track in your eyes? Well, they got the win, so you got to say yes to that, that question, Phil. I mean, I thought they came out very energetic. You can tell they had a little bit more moxie at home. They had a sense of urgency, especially offensively, how they played. Defensive front played a lot better, got pressure. Uh, so that was a, a good bounce-back win. I mean, Louisville... I guess they lost a quarterback in that ball game, and that made a huge difference. Cunningham, the big-time player. But, um, yeah, they did what they had to do. I'm, am I overly impressed by them winning against Louisville? No, because I'm not impressed at all with the ACC. I, I just think this is this one of the worst years that I've seen with this conference. And, I, I you know, and if you look at Clemson, and, and they don't just blow people out. They don't make it look easy. They got a nice win, but you would think with the talent and the level that they recruit, Versus Louisville, that should have been a 40-something, 8-10 type of game. But listen, man, um, they they got the win. That's all you can ask. And they're getting ready to take on a Miami team who's bad, you know, 500 team that they should win again this week. So they're doing what they have to do. But, again, not very impressed. And I don't think the committee is impressed because you got a two-loss Alabama for the second week in a row that's in front of them. And a two-loss LSU. It looks like though, they're going to make Uyangale uh, as much a runner as he is a passer now and, and and play the passing game off of his running ability. Well, I think, you know, when you look at this offense, you know, they, they've had really good success by running those quarterback counters with their quarterbacks. I mean, and, and that helps out their passing game. Um, and, and, you know, but yeah, Uyangale to me is not a great runner. He's big. He's a powerful runner, but he's not going to – 
just beat you by running the football. Um, but I think that's important to, to what they want to do offensively, Phil, by those quarterback runs. But again, it's not clean. It's not a clean game by them at all. You can just see they still on the edge to me watching them play. They're not comfortable. They still don't have explosive guys on the outside that threatens you down the field that much. Uh, you know, things that they did in the past. So this is a totally different uh, team. I was telling Patrick South even today doing our TV show, you know, they're not even close, in my opinion, to those two teams that won the national championship. I, I think they're, they're way off from that. And maybe that's some of that's not, you know, investing in the transfer portal. Uh, some of that is the, the, the quarterback play. A lot of it's quarterback play. And I will say this, a lot of it, in my opinion, is the offensive coordinator. Just like we talk about here in South Carolina, I don't think Brandon Streeter – is a really good offensive co- coordinator, and, and especially a play caller. That's just my opinion. Well, that's why we have you on for your opinions, and we appreciate them every time you're on with us. You have yourself a great night and a great weekend. We'll talk to you, and I'll get with you next week to uh, set our time since Thursday will be Thanksgiving. We're not on next Thursday. I'll get with you. Yeah, we'll I, want, that I, I want some of that Will Merritt. I want some of that. You let Will Merritt know that I heard him say something about me about a few weeks ago and I got a comeback for him. He just going I might have a good turkey blessing for him. You just <laughs> let him know that. He's coming up in a couple of minutes. I'll pass on the word. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Corey. All right, guys. Y'all have a great night. Thank you. Thank you very much, Corey Miller, pastor of Payne, with us here on Sports Talk. Let's hit the quick break. We'll come back with recruiting and then we'll have Will and the Thrill with us. Boise State and Charlotte. This is a 6-4 game. They've played eight minutes, and it's 6-4. Boise State over Charlotte. Obviously, neither can shoot. And the USC women (laughs) up on the Clemson women. You want to know why no Clemson fans showed up for this game? It's 61-25 after three quarters. I mean, come on. Who wants to watch that in person? 61-25, number one team in the country, defending national champs over the Clemson women. 61-25. We'll be back. Give you some recruiting after the break. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's, where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit playresponsiblysc.com. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plated for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at seacattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. 
Time for the recruiting report here on Sports Talk, brought to you by Seawells as we come to you courtside at the HTC Arena. They have a lot of great things down here. They don't have a Seawells. The only place to find Seawells is in Columbia on Rosewood Drive. Get on by tomorrow. I am imagining we're going to have an RBF tomorrow, a roast beef Friday. And you might want to jump in there tomorrow, first part of next week. I'm sure they'll be closing down for the holiday sometime next week uh, but the uh, daily luncheon buffet every day 11 till 2 only 13 dollars and as you know you can fill your plate and fill your stomach which is the uh, reason you go to a, a buffet right to fill her up remember you used to go to the gas station the guy would come out to to get you your gas you just say fill her up well that's what you do when you go to a seawell's daily luncheon buffet you walk in and just say fill her up and there you go and of course the very best in the catering business, that's Seawells. They will take care of all your needs where it comes to your big event at their location or your own. 803-771-7385 is the number to call. South Carolina is going to get an official visit this weekend from offensive tackle Keyshawn Blackstock, 65315 of Coffeyville Junior College, Kansas, and Covington, Georgia. Everybody just recently realized, including himself, that he's qualified to play at the next level academically. And he's got like 50 offers now, and I mean big-time offers. USC's been on him hard with Greg Atkins recruiting him, and he told him, Atkins did, when he found out, he said, whenever you get qualified, I'm coming after you. And they did. They've been on him. He and the family are coming in for the weekend, the official visit this weekend. He has a good relationship with the USC coaches. That's important to him. Like he said to me, he said, quote, I feel like I'll get money anywhere I go. I know I'm going to get paid. It's going to come down to the relationship I've got with the coaches. I'm ready to see what they've got for me, end quote. And he said the Gamecocks really want him. Uh, he has been to Illinois officially. He's going to Penn State December 10th. He plans an unofficial to Florida State for the Florida game. 2024 quarterback Jaden Bradford of Chapin and IMG Academy named a Final Four, USC, Louisville, NC State, and Penn State. Camped at USC last summer. He's been to two games this season there. Clemson target, 2024 defensive tackle DJ Lagway of Willis, Texas, going to announce December 7th. He was at Clemson for the Syracuse game. And uh, he has also visited Baylor, Florida, Oklahoma, Arkansas, LSU, and Texas A&M. And he has a short list of Clemson, Alabama, Arkansas, LSU, Texas A&M, Baylor, Southern Cal, Georgia, Florida, and Oklahoma. And let's see here. Uh, running back Jordan Louie of Norcross, Georgia, plans to visit Clemson Saturday, second game visit of the season. He decommitted from West Virginia last week. 26th defensive end Bryce Perry Wright of Buford, Georgia, plans to be at Clemson as well. Again, USC will have an official from wide receiver Edwin Joseph of Hollywood, Florida this weekend. And one-time USC commitment guard Bryce Lindsey signed with Texas A&M, if we hadn't mentioned that. All right, that'll do it for recruiting. We'll hit the break, and we will come back. Another thrilling edition of the Wilster and the Thrillster coming up.
By the way, Pat tells me, unfortunately, it is not a RBF tomorrow at Sewell's uh, Roast Beef Friday. It's a carved turkey with cornbread dressing, chicken pot pie, fried flounder kind of day as they get you ready for the uh, Thanksgiving holidays. All right, Phil Kornblut at the HTC Center here at the Myrtle Beach Invitational. Matt Smith is in Charleston at the Charleston Classic. He's getting some USC postgame after the Gamecocks were thrashed by Colorado State, 85-53. In the upstate at Clemson, it's the USC women extending their lead over the Clemson women, 70-27. The Clemson women have scored 11 points in the second half. They scored five points in the second quarter. Is this a preview of the upcoming football game? Next week. Huh? You think, you think the women can leave some points up at Clemson for the football team to come gather up, scoop up, and put on the scoreboard? Let's pose Phil, I would question. never, ever bet on college athletics, but if, if you told me uh, if you want to take the uh, South Carolina football team scoring 70 points on Clemson and only giving up 27, I'll take that bet. Yeah. Well, I wasn't suggesting they match the score, but maybe some of the points would be left over. Ah, you know, just kind of hang out. Okay. You know, Little John's not that far from Memorial Stadium. Maybe they could. No, no, it's right across the parking lot. Let's go to our guest and pose that question eventually uh, for another edition of Will and the Thrill here on Sports Talk. We welcome in former Clemson standout offensive lineman Will Merritt and former USC standout defensive end linebacker. He was the first of those hybrid types. In other words, he had no true position. It's Carl the Thrill Hill. Okay, Will, let's start with you. The uh, first of all, I'll, I'll take those points all day long. You know, I mean, I'll take them right now. You, you, like, how many points? I mean, what do you mean you'll take the points? Well, explain yourself. The, 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 the women's basketball score. I'll take right. them right now. <laughs> you mean you, you, want the game, you, you want the Gamecocks to have the, the, the 70? Oh, I, th- I, thought, I, I thought Clemson was winning. Uh, no, no, gosh, no. <laughs> Only if you got oh, kicked no, in the head. Never, never, never mind. I, I won't take the points at all. Unless you, unless you got kicked in the head by a mule today on your farm, that's about the only way you'd reach that conclusion. Now, uh, the Clemson football team, uh, winners on Saturday, did they impress you to, enough to think that they maybe have uh, gotten things straightened back out or more struggles ahead? Well, you know, I mean, I, I think the one thing that was – pretty certain is that they corrected certain mistakes. Um, the, the one thing is they didn't turn the ball over as much. And the second thing is, I mean, we, we, we understand the fact that, I mean, if you're going to win in this league, if you're going to win in any league, uh, the one thing you have to do is sustain drives, and that's what they did. And um, I, I thought they were really good at that. Um, you know, I, and, and, Phil, I mean, you, you know the game as well as anybody, I mean, you know that you have to be able to put the ball in the end zone. So once mm-hmm. you get in the red zone, you've got to find a way to get points. And that's what they did. They did. And did you like what they adjusted to with Uyangale making him more of a runner first than a passer first? It uh, seems abso- like abso- they want to uh, use his legs. Absolutely. I mean, and, and I thought that that's the one thing that they didn't do the, the previous week is, you know, uh, allow him to be a threat with his legs. And he, he, he was so effective when he did run. 
I mean, you you saw inside in third down uh, mm-hmm. equations, and then inside the red zone. I mean, he he was just a threat. I mean, they had to account for him, and when he did, um, I mean, he was very effective. Uh, Carl, what was your mood like as you watched the Gamecocks play Florida on Saturday? Man, it was really disappointing. Very similar to the the Missouri game. It's it kind of it was kind of with the defense. It's been the same thing for the last several weeks, and. Somewhere in the second quarter, the, I guess our coaching staff kind of figured out, let's not do this. And it's just our, it, it, if you look at the ball, ball game defensively, our defensive line was holding the line of scrimmage. There was, they weren't blow, getting blown off the ball. But they, they're holding the, your guys, their guys up, and the linebackers just need to go in the hole and make a play. But they're overflowing and going somewhere they have no business doing it somewhere in the second quarter. They just hit him back there bouncing. He, I, I guess he told him, don't y'all move until somebody come at you. If he, if you get five yards, give him five yards. But that kind of helped us out in the ball game. But defensively, guys just got to play better. We were playing a bunch of young guys. Just, it just didn't seem like we were – we're just playing young guys, need, more, need a little bit better talent, and the guys just need to play better on defense. Offense is pretty much the same old thing. It's just we don't, we don't really – it's extremely difficult for a football player on offense as a lineman to you. You tell me to block, and when only your only running play is an inside running play, you never get on the outside with running plays. So the defense can center, centerize the center of the field, so you can't have any success. And then when you decide to throw the ball, you do not throw the ball down the middle of the field. So the defense again have an opportunity to like to cheat to the outside to double blanket everybody outside because you, you're not going to throw the ball to the inside of the field. So you, your players have no success, no, no, no opportunity to have any, any success at all in the football game just because of what you're doing. And you kind of – my grandmama used to say, son, don't waste good. And we're wasting somebody good in Spencer Rattler. He's an elite talent that we're just throwing away right now. Well, do you think he might come back for another year? You gotta, you gotta kind of wait around. You don't want to be premature about anything, but you, you really can't answer that question right now because this whole mindset is, I gotta be in the best opportunity, opportunity to advance what I'm trying to do for myself as well as the team. And this situation doesn't give him that opportunity right now. Yeah, I mean, you, you can you you can say don't waste good, but you got to be better than the person across the line of scrimmage. And and South Carolina was not better than anybody across the line of scrimmage. Period. Now I would agree with that. I didn't think they got any movement with their offensive line. None whatsoever. And Carl on the defense. I mean, you hear defensive coaches talk all the time about gap integrity, gap integrity, and I saw gaping holes in that defensive line that weren't being filled. Is that what you're talking about with the linebackers? That's what I'm talking about. It, 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 okay, when, you, when you're playing like a 4-3 or a 4-2-5 is what we do, the lineman's job is to keep the lineman's offensive lineman off the linebacker for the linebackers to make the plays in the hole. We had a linebacker that was in the middle of the field. The ball went to the right side of the, to his right. He went all the way out to the tackle. There yeah, was nothing yeah. there. He stuck his head behind them, the people over the fence, and the, and the running back went through the hole. He's supposed to have been guarding, 
and then we hit four alive. But, four, but they were they were third level before anybody was getting touched. Yeah, it was the linebacker was just not the linebacker play. The lineman's holding guys up and keeping the guys off the linebackers. Our linebackers just not making plays. All right, let, let me. Can I make one quick suggestion to you, Carl? I mean, they were going to play a team that runs the ball extremely well, Florida, with a quarterback who likes to run the ball more than he likes to throw it. Okay, they play a four-two-five, which is a defense set to offset the spread, but they weren't really playing a true spread team. So why wouldn't you adjust your defensive game plan? Throw a third true linebacker in there. Play three linebackers, and 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 trust that you're going to slow down the running game, and trust that your secondary can hold up. You supposedly have two NFL corners in that secondary. You see what I'm saying? Why didn't they adjust with a third linebacker well, against that well, kind of offense? Well, well, that's not fair to say they didn't. They never adjust because that that third linebacker is kind of the position I play. I, I've played corner as a as a whip linebacker. I've been tight as a rush in as a whip linebacker. That's your guy you play with, and they had him a little bit closer to the line to kind of help with the outside stuff. But you, as a, as that third linebacker, you on the outside. You're not in the middle of the field where they were killing us at. Yeah. But 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 guys, li- li- listen to me for one second. Right, one I mean, second. they were they were they were running front side with a with a strong tight. And and they were dominating South Carolina all night long. I mean, they they just I mean they they were they were three hats on a hat all the way to the third level. So I mean, South Carolina had no chance against them, none whatsoever. Hey, when when we're talking about Clemson, you talk about Clemson. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> hey, again, I lied. Our Mike linebacker, if he was, if he put himself in the position to make plays, he would have made all those long plays because he went and stuck his head like a like an ostrich does in a hole, so he couldn't see nothing. Then, and then, then, got then what? What? Why, why did y'all get beat by half a hundred? Hey, I just, did. I just tell you, you got a linebacker who is opening holes for you and letting you run. Then you got an offense that won't use the middle of the field in the pass, and then they won't use the sidelines in the run. You can't win football games doing that. That's exactly what I just told you. <laughs> Go ahead. Chris. Should I jump in here? I'm not Go sure. Ahead. Go anyway, ahead, brother. Go <laughs> ahead. the thrill here tonight talking Gamecock and Clemson football. And, and Will wanted to go back to the Clemson offense for a moment. Do we spend too much time as fans in the media worried about whether or not DJ Uyangale throws for 250 yards when it's Clemson last year when the rubber met the road? They decided they're going to lean heavily on the run game and Will Shipley and, and Kobe Pace and those guys last year. And, and they both had over 100 yards this past weekend in, in Mafa and Will Shipley. Is it so bad that if Clemson turns to the run game, that's probably their best offense right now? I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I mean, you're talking to an old lineman. So, I mean, I want to run the ball every single mm-hmm. play. You know what I mean? I, I, I never think that it's a bad idea to run the ball. But I do think that the one thing that Clemson did figure out, and I, I talked the street this week, um, you know, they, they know that between the tackles, I mean, they can be pretty successful. Um, and, and Mafa is just as talented as as, as Ship is. Um, so, I mean, they, they have talent there. Uh, the one thing that I think, is bringing the tight end and and making him a part of the run game, and I think that's that's a huge factor for Clemson. Um, the, the 
the teams that they're going to play moving down the stretch, they're susceptible to the run. Mm-hmm. And so I think that absolutely they're going to run the football first. And I'm not saying that DJ can't throw the ball, and he he's definitely know, knows how to air it out. But I think that between the tackles, absolutely is number one priority for Clemson to be successful. Carl, as you look ahead to this weekend with the Gamecocks hosting Tennessee and in terms of what that offense brings to the table, the top-scoring offense in the SEC, one of the best offenses in the country, especially at its tempo, as a former defensive guy, how would you begin to try and figure out a way to slow those guys down? Well, here's what you can't do with them. And and they're good with throwing short pass. They're good with throwing them long. They just they, they're they're really explosive offensive passing game. Have an offensive passing game. But what you pretty much have to do, you have to play like a corner or cover two, which you have two deep safeties, and then every guy, all the guys that they have lined up, you have somebody in front of them. And all those guys are playing short routes. And you got two guys playing deep routes. The guys who playing short routes, you almost have to just. Act like the guy in front of you stole your girlfriend last night, and if he get more than five yards, you let him have her. Huh. So you, you just <laughs> beat him up. You just gotta, the guy in front of you, you just got to keep him from getting off the line of scrimmage. You can do whatever you want to as long as you don't grab him in that first five yards. And we need to do everything in our power to hold them off the line of scrimmage from, once from getting them in their route. And that disrupts everything and give our linemen and linebackers because we're going to send some guys after them out the hooker process, that's the only success you can have. Everybody who let him sit in the pocket, they, he, he's going to kill you. So you got to send a whole lot of people at him and a whole lot of time and just hope it works. It's, 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 it's going to be a nightmare. <laughs> wow, it could be ugly. They scored 66 last week, and, you know, they're, they've got to impress the committee. I don't think they'll take their foot off the gas. If they start to bury the Gamecocks, I think they push down that accelerator and keep on going if they can. All right, let's wrap it up with the rivalry meter. Next to last read on the rivalry meter before the game a week from Saturday. Carl, what you got tonight? Last week I was at a 6.5, and I was real encouraged just the way, the way them Tigers got beat by Notre Dame. But then I this week after seeing us, I was a little disappointed. And then I remember something my grandmama used to say. Son, you know, death come in three. Basketball <laughs> and got beat. Women's basketball about to get beat that's two deaths we got one more death coming for them tigers so i'm at at least a six right now just on my grandma (laughs) and will what's your rivalry meter reading tonight 12. Well, <laughs> I told you it was broke, y'all the the scale only goes to 10. you broke the scale yeah i'm still at 12. Still a 12. <laughs> hey, guys, we thank you as always. Uh, we'll get with you. I'll, catch, I'll check in with you next week. We'll set up a time prior to Thursday, get you guys on board, talk about the big game. We thank you as always. Have a great night and a great weekend. Go Sounds good. Y'all have a great weekend. Thanks, fellas. You too. Fantastic. Thank you. We got Smitty on hold. We'll get to him. We'll hear from Lamont Paris as well. What he had to say after the Gamecocks lost to uh, Colorado State, 85-53. USC women, they have finished off Clemson, 85-31. So the men and, and women have Watkins something. for the Gamecocks had a dunk in that game, Phil. Wow. 
<laughs> she also had 14 <laughs> points. It's one more dunk than I had in my career. So the men and the women have something in common tonight. The women scored 85 and the men allowed 85. Let's go to the break and we'll be back. We'll be back in just a moment. I'll tell you for the Gamecocks, Cook had 15, Boston had 12, but only six rebounds. No double-double for her tonight. She only played 19 minutes. In fact, no Gamecock played more than 21 minutes tonight. And um, Watkins had 14 and the dunk, as we mentioned. Hit the break. Be back in a moment. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. I love sports, and I've helped people for over 30 years. Contact me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com when the insurance company won't pay your claim or you have complicated issues. Some other business causes your business to lose money? Jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. When you lose a relative and find out you got cut out of a will or don't get what was promised. When you have serious injury, like from a wreck or mishap or on the job. Jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. Founders Federal Credit Union knows your life is busy and your money is important. We are proud to offer local personalized services and convenient online services like Founders Online and the Founders app. You'll love being with us as much as we love serving you. Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership with Founders. Relax, win with Founders. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. Your home is where your memories live. It's where you laugh and where you love. We understand the importance of the valuables under your roof, tangible and intangible alike. So no matter what's around the corner, we'll be there, offering you and your family the support that's made Farm Bureau Insurance a trusted name for nearly 70 years. You deserve more. You deserve a promise. Learn more at scfbins.com. Call me, Alex Satterfield, at 803-749-9171 for all of your Midlands insurance needs. I want you to want me. All right, let's go quickly to Smitty in Charleston and then even more quick, even quicker, <laughs> to Lamont Paris. Smitty, set up the post game with Lamont Paris for us, please. Yeah, absolutely. So we set in with Lamont Paris. He said much of what we expected for a team coming off an 85-53 to 53 defeat. But, you know, he was very calm and measured, much in the same way he was in his opening press press conference and what he was surprised by was the fact his team not only did they turn the ball over he said that's just foreign to me you know I coached Wisconsin that's foreign to me it was also foreign to him the lack of competitiveness where was the edge where was the fire he was very surprised he said this was a a ball game even at the half you're down 20 he said but I've been a part of comebacks bigger than that but maybe these young players have it 
and you'll hear him discuss that and, and what went wrong for South Carolina. And if you get, get deep enough into the audio, you'll hear what he expects to go right no matter who their opponent is tomorrow. So here's Coach Lamont Paris. All right. Uh, we did not play well tonight in many aspects of the game. I think that was probably the most the understatement of, of uh, pretty late in the year. I think I did make the understatement of the year. But uh, didn't play well, didn't compete well. Uh, th- that's what. That's the only thing that really bothers me. Sometimes you're not going to play well. We, we we didn't get the ball around the basket and finish around the rim like we wanted to, or are capable of. Um, and we didn't shoot the ball the way that we were capable of either. But but uh, those aren't decisions. Competing is a is a decision. And I, and we just did not decide to compete other than a couple of times where we had a little flurry offensively. And our, our, our defense cannot be attached specifically to what we are doing offensively. And, and to the nth degree, it was uh, tonight. And we were not – it was not a good offensive day for us. And, and therefore, you know, I'm used to turning it up even more on the defensive end when that happens and winning in spite of a poor offensive performance uh, rather than – it snowballs and, and, and gets really going downhill in the wrong direction. But, uh, yeah, I just would say that I was, I was displeased with our overall uh, competitive spirit. Our competitive spirit, I just did not think, was where it needed to be in order for us to, to, to be able to even have a chance to win the game. Questions? You talk about competitive spirit and not seeing what you need to see. What, what kind of things do you look for? What kind of things tell you that? Is it body language, the way we yeah, work? Yeah, yeah. Like good question. That? That's a very good question. Body language is definitely one. Eye contact. What's your face look like? Are you determined? I, I know what determination looks like. I do. And I couldn't draw it. But if I look in your face, I can tell when a guy's determined. I can see that. I've, I've learned that over the years. And I'm used to seeing it, so I know it well. Um, and so I did not see that. It's, it is body language. It's, and then body language, it's, it's, it's the weight of your head. For some reason, uh, you know, they say the average head weighs eight pounds, but uh, as things start, a couple things go, go against you, it goes from eight pounds to 30 pounds, I feel like, because it just seems like it goes down. And so some of those things, and some of that's you, some of it's youth and, and inexperience, right? We have a lack of real experience. Um, for the most part. And so uh, those are the things that I look at. Energy, uh, what the, what timeouts look like, sound like, those are the things. When I talk about building a winner, a winning program and a winner, it's, the, it's those things. You're, you're unflappable uh, because you know you can, you can manage those situations. And uh, – we, we just didn't have the body language um, of, of a team that was ready to make a, a comeback. And it wasn't even an insurmountable lead. It was, I mean, it was whatever it was at halftime, 20 or somewhere around there at halftime. I mean, that's, is it ideal? No. Is it insurmountable? Absolutely not. Uh, and, but maybe we don't have enough guys that don't, they don't know that. Or if they don't, they know it because I said it. They don't believe it because they haven't been at the root of a real comeback in their careers, a lot of these guys. And so, um, but yeah, I, I just think of the body language is the first thing and, and, and facial expressions is, are the first things that I look at. All right, Lamont Paris, after the loss tonight, thank you, Smitty, for that. Chris, uh, 
he was pretty blunt. He was straightforward and to the point. I, I like what he had to say about his view on his team tonight. I agree. They did not come out and play with much fire early in the game and got out of hand quickly, and they didn't know how to respond in the turnovers that Smitty pointed out. You just can't can't give up that many turnovers, 16, against a good team like Colorado State, who scored 19 points off those turnovers and hoped to win. Absolutely. All right, that's going to do it. Thank you, Pat. Daniel, great job back at the Dave & Buster Studios holding everything together. Thank you, Smitty, for your work at Charleston tonight. Thank you, Chris. Yes, Thanks sir. to all our guests tonight. We've had a blast. Been a lot of good basketball and football tonight. We'll see you tomorrow night. It's a Founders Federal Football Friday night tomorrow night. Have a great one. See you tomorrow.